0: Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. We are live. I'm warning you this whoop, time. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, I didn't want you to think like super stealth, uh, stealth <laughs> mode, so I'm just going to put you off. So.
1: We're live. You, you you are stealth mode though because you're literally, you're in the shadows. Are you have been racist is, again. Well, unless you tanned up again, um, but he's normally uh, Brett. Are you trying to save money? Normally, you have the kitchen light on. These last couple of weeks, you you've not had the kitchen light on. I know no. it's gone dark outside, but yeah,
0: I was gonna say it's dark outside at like four <laughs> o'clock now. And also, um, I did have. But basically, I've got a little lamp on next to me, which you can see is shining off my bald head. Um, yeah. I did have the main kitchen on the other side of the room which then enough light for you to see me but Jenna came in, got some ice cream at the freezer and then turned it off and walked out and obviously that involves me then getting off to turn it back up again oh, turn it on again, so.
1: Fair enough, fair enough but um, with, the, with the whole beard you've got going on the dark jumper you know, I, I literally can just see one shiny part of your head and that's it, that's all I can see
0: Again, yeah. I thought you'd be very inappropriate and racist
1: Nope Nope, mm. I've turned a corner
0: Good, good Let's not offend everyone on every week
1: that's johnny's job
0: yeah it's johnny's job thank god he's not here (laughs) even if he was supposed to be but poor eliza is having a a meltdown we understand
1: can't help these things can't help these things not that i'd know but you can't help these things
0: no you can't like someone seems to have this habit of getting up at 5 a.m every morning now and no matter what i do to get her back to sleep she just won't so inevitably it's now got to a point where i'm like right well my get up time is 5 a.m then i'd better start preparing for it are you getting to bed earlier
1: oh god right. That's, uh, it's like my cousin she she was 5am until she was 6 7 years old oh and death. then she turned to 6am um, wow. and now literally even at 14 um, she still gets up at 6am every single morning no need for alarms or anything just wakes up at 6am
0: I mean to be fair like when they're older it's good because obviously it, I, I well I'll say it's good like, I, I personally like getting up earlier on the whole because so I feel more productive doing so um what i don't think is good is when you obviously have parental responsibilities of someone that gets up because you then have to get up when you don't want to
1: <laughs> true true yeah yeah you could now well i suppose once they get to a couple of years old then you can just sort of leave them to fend for themselves for a bit and tell them to be quiet and, and yeah
0: indeed so um what's been happening mate
1: oh i've what's been a busy been boy happening? um Work as usual, uh, won a hockey game for once. That, wow. that is big news. Yep. Yep. Um, I went up to the York Christmas markets last weekend. That was quite fun. Oh, uh, it rained, rained the whole time. Oh, uh, it was <laughs> but no, it was, it was yeah, nice to be somewhere a bit different. Um, yeah, and that, that is it. So that's about as it, that's more interesting than a normal week. Cause I did something different.
0: That is true. That's true. Okay. Mm. No, that's not too about bad. Uh, I've had amazing, uh, amazingly interesting week or so um first off starting well i suppose last week cause I, th- I think when when did we we recorded our last episode quite a bit in advance so i'm not sure we spoke about it but i managed to get hand foot and mouth for my child which was not fun in the slightest um so that was quite interesting i felt like i had flu we're gonna say I,
1: I was just working out what you said oh hand
0: hand, hand foot and mouth that is a uh viral infection basically brings uh, certainly children normally it's normally only in children and it brings them out in a um a bit like measles i suppose right i apparently adults get exposed often a bit like measles again as a child and then don't contract it as an adult very frequently doctor even told me that and then a couple of days later i start to feel like i had the flu for one basically for one night i remember on a friday like so this would have been a week friday so nearly two weeks ago um nearly two weeks ago yeah, it was nearly two weeks ago. Yeah, nearly two weeks ago. And I had basically what I could only consider like flu like symptoms, I felt horrible. Like and I I I don't very I very re- rarely get ill, um anything severe anyway, you know, like everyone suffers with colds and stuff. But normally I'm like, yeah, man up, get on with it, okay. I literally laid on the sofa, like, do you know what? I don't feel like I can get up. I feel like death. So that went great. And then a couple of days later I started to notice some like lesions on my fingers and I was like, Oh please, no, please tell me I'm not getting this like thing that someone's got. And then, like they all started in my mouth, so I saw to eat. I couldn't touch anything in my hands, so I basically had a whole week off training, um, which wasn't ideal. Bit of a bum. I took obviously had to work from home every day. So obviously, didn't couldn't go in the office covered in like, spots and stuff because that wouldn't be nice. Lucky enough, it was pretty much restrained to my fingers um, and a couple, f- two or three on my face, so it didn't look that bad. Um, like obviously, some people can get it like really bad, so it looked like I really bad acne and stuff. And oh, my days that like, could be horrible. So, lucky enough, I was like, kind of wore gloves, and you wouldn't know you necessarily notice. So,
1: wow, because um, when, when you said foot and mouth, I, I was thinking, cows, like, should we put you down? Like, yeah. do we have to put you down? Can we put you down? I don't think um, you can put
0: me down. Um, which I'm glad you didn't anyway, because I survived, so um, I got through it. <laughs> So Don't that, tell the farmers. No, no. So that was interesting. So I took obviously a whole week off training, which is the first time I've done that probably for as long as I can remember. Um I want to say four or five years probably. I've had a whole week off without doing any training whatsoever. Um so yeah, that was that was quite interesting. My first day back obviously went in sensible, didn't do anything too crazy, but um kind of just went in and, and felt my way through my workout and I will say horrendous DOMS. Horrendous DOMs
1: yeah it's it's a funny one isn't it i quite often will take at the moment my training sucks anyway but um even when i was really pushing it as as a deload because i don't deload very well um i struggle to lower my well i can lower the volume but i still have to keep the intensity there i can't back off and do 80 percent. i just can't do it it's just not within my my nature i suppose um and I know you hear the people going, oh, stop being a dick, just do it, just do it, And but I'd rather just take two or three days off training completely, um, relax and just completely, um, like, just r- relieve all of that uh impact that it has on your body because it's not just a case of letting your muscles relax and and letting your muscles only take 80% of the load or whatever I find there's a lot more with kind of like tendons and and all that sort of stuff as well and sometimes you do just need to take time out so even when I was really really pushing it and um, progressing very very well I'd still take four or seven days uh depends really sort of every uh few months of, off training completely um, yeah. And i quite like doing it because i did go back refreshed and i'd never after a week i'd never normally get the really bad doms um but if i took any more than a week off so like you go on holiday or whatever and you got to have a bit longer off uh yeah the doms are horrible
0: yeah well it's definitely worthwhile taking a break um, like you say, certainly from, from ligaments, tendons, connected tissue, that type of stuff, take an absolute beating and that doesn't recover as quickly as muscle tissue. So, you can of, you can obviously push that and over time really do some damage. I mean, I've obviously had this hamstring um, or proximal hamstring tendinopathy in my left hamstring insertion where the tendon inserts underneath my glute. I've had that for literally about six months now. That's how long it's taken and I still can't do any hip hinge movement because of it. So, mm. Yeah, obviously I'm still rehabbing and stuff, and but it just takes so long to get back. So um, tendons are one thing you don't want to mess around with and, and balls them up.
1: Yeah, little sort of like strain in the muscle, things like that. A couple of weeks and you're you right, it's rain. But yeah, if you do anything tendon, ligament, yeah, not good. It takes as long as a bone to, to heal. So, no.
0: so um, anyway, so managed to get over that within a week or so. I've still got quite scabby hands, which is obviously sounds disgusting, but basically all the lesions on there dried up and peeled off. So, um, mm. it looks like I basically just got like peeled off skin on my fingers, basically at the moment, which is disgusting, but you know, do you look like gold member? No, not quite that bad, but obviously to be fair, they look all right. They not they actually don't look too bad now, but they did look pretty, pretty rancid before, which obviously is quite, makes you quite, quite self-conscious, um, especially yeah. on your hands. Cause obviously I don't know why on your hands, everyone thinks, Oh, look at that leper.
1: Um, <laughs> I was going to say, but yeah. I was being polite. No, but like I say
0: I was just, I was just, Quite grateful that most of it's on my beard uh, and to say most of it I like only had literally four or five little and they look like like small spots really and they were mostly in my beard beard area um and one on the side of my nose so it's quite lucky really that wasn't that bad so I think most mm. people might just thought oh, I just got the odd spot rather than anything else because that could have been horrendous on my face so. but yeah other than that um I obviously took a little two or three if anyone's watched my instagram two or three day, uh, day bleh, days' break two or three days break in Bruges so I went to Belgium which was very cool. So I went to uh, Belgium to see the Christmas markets. I really nice. enjoyed it. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Did so much stuff I wouldn't usually do. Because um, I'll be honest, me and Jen are a little bit like, oh, I can't be bothered to do that. Oh, I can't be bothered to do that. That, nah, I can't be bothered to do that. That's where we're a bit like, weird, like, when we go any places, we don't do a lot of the tours. We don't do a lot of the touristy stuff. We thought ourselves, you know, what if we don't do it this time? What are we going to do? Because it's not like Bruges is a big city, and there's loads to do. So we did do a lot of things, like um obviously like a brewery tour, to see some like Belgian beer being made. We went to a, a torture museum, which was quite cool, very interesting, watching <laughs> some of the torture gear. Um My f- personal favourite was a male chastity belt. I thought that was quite interesting.
1: Did it have little spikes in it?
0: Um, no, it didn't. So I don't think it damaged. It just stopped people using it, basically. It was to oh, stop okay. people masturbating. Um, but it's like, you can imagine, like a metal pair of pants with a metal <laughs> slong piece for it to fit in. <laughs> Um, but the, Did it come in different sizes? Uh, well, to be honest, I looked down and thought, Christ, I'd need a smaller one of those. <laughs> That's very generous. Yeah, it's very generous. Um, yeah. But to be honest, it's, it's really quite fascinating to see some of the gear that, obviously, medieval times, they used, what they used on people to torture them. I was like, honestly, some of it's disgusting, horrible, like really bad. Like, um, yeah, like those spike chambers, there was this giant brass bull that apparently some leader. Um, used to it was like a brass ball with a hatch on top so you could put people in the brass ball and heat it underneath from fire and obviously it would boil or burn people inside which ironically apparently he was overthrown and killed in him, that himself which is obviously you know, fair play Fun. but apparently yeah. he used to eat babies he used to kill and eat babies so fair, fair play to have overthrown him and kill him because it sounds like he deserved it
1: why would you eat babies, though? There's not a lot to them. They're pretty much just fat. Barely any muscle. Bit yeah, of bone.
0: it's probably not really from a nutritional perspective if you're eating babies, let's be honest, is it?
1: <laughs> probably a few other things going on there.
0: Yeah, so, um, yeah, that was quite interesting. The, I didn't like that there was these masks that they used to put rats in and obviously wear them on the, or put them on people's faces. So the rats would eventually eat the flesh through the, you know, eat people's faces and stuff. Or I was like, wow that's pretty, pretty bad with the
1: with the like metal or leather
0: or uh yeah they're like like small uh, metal cage or like stuck to a mask so you can imagine that just goes over your face and there's this enough cage for the rat to sit in and obviously when it right. gets when it tries to get out and it's got nowhere to go it will eat through the face to get out
1: because if you heated up the cage as well then the rat would have to get out and yeah
0: yeah well maybe they did that i don't know but there was, like, various things to stretch people. Oh, there was one horrible thing. It was like a wooden spike where they impaled people on. Um, like, they, they hung people above it. And the way it was built was that they'd impale them through the anus or vagina, apparently.
1: Wow. Yeah. I I, I know a few people who would love that. <laughs>
0: no, you wouldn't, trust me. <laughs> seen this thing. No, matter, no, no matter how sadistic... Um, <laughs> or that you are there's no way you're going to enjoy that that looked horrendous um i'll send you some of the pictures mate obviously I'll send yeah, dude, it's because yeah. the, the pictures of stuff i took was like well oh, a bit eerie and horrible to be honest because it's just like i say it's strange to think that they actually use these things on people but um but yeah anyway so obviously went to like belgian chocolate shop as you imagine ate my weight in waffles i think i went to probably one of the world's largest waffle places the waffles like the size of my macbook that's ridiculous um Really nice coffee, best ribs i ever had. I went to a place called Ribs and Beer and had some, like... I'm not really a beer drinker, as you know. um, Especially, like, ALE, IPA, or anything a bit old man-y. However, Belgian beer, like... Because they do, like, um, they call them doubles, triples, or quadruples. And, like, basically that determines the colour and... um, yeah, like the, like, like the darkness or lightness of them. And obviously I was trying to find these like amber beers, almost really, really nice. Really enjoyed them, which is obviously unlike me because it's not the sort of thing I'd usually go for. But yeah, I had this nice. r- ribs and beer, this really nice beer and literally, like I say, the best ribs you can have. 20 euros, all you can eat ribs. I went through three racks, tried them all. Um, fantastic. There was a chocolate and uh, chocolate and beer flavoured um, St. Louis, like baby back slow cooked ribs. My, my days, they were melt, melt in your mouth, fall off the bone fantastic so if anyone ever goes to bruges have to get a ribs and beer um outrageous nice
1: well i was um i've been saying we need to go on a euro trip to alex so i might take there just for ribs and beer
0: mate do it that's so easy on the euro as well We're turned into like a travel um travel podcast
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So travel, training. We're going to talk about training again, but no. <laughs> it's about no I'll,
0: I'll be honest, I love Bruges. It's really nice, really cool medieval city, very festive because obviously the Christmas markets. Mm. Um, yeah, great place to go.
1: Do you often go to Christmas markets in the UK?
0: Yeah, I went to Bury St Edmunds Christmas mm-hmm. markets um, this Saturday and obviously then went to Bruges on the Monday. So obviously, kind of did see quite close, but that was all right. It wasn't, it's quite, it's quite a popular one around here. It's the biggest local one. It's about 50 miles from where I am. Um, uh, one of our listeners, obviously Heather uh, lives in Bury, that's your know, Bury St Edmonds, rather than Bury near you. Um, so yeah, she'll obviously know what it's like, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's all right. It's, it's, you did
1: do you find it was the same stuff over yeah. there as it was here?
0: Uh, ish. I suppose it was a bit more, yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of it was similar, Um mm there's there's a few more food stores and better food stores over there yeah and stuff but
1: silly just your normal mm, German sausage
0: yeah oh bratwurst yeah. and glow yeah. wine or mulled wine
1: yeah yeah glue wine I
0: did um, I did have a um, amaretto mulled wine that was very nice that's, that's, yeah, I've that noticed that
1: this year. Yeah, this year they seem to be putting shots of booze in your mulled wine. Because um, I noticed that up in York, and I've not seen that before. No, I mean, um, yeah. I thought be a. Yeah. I thought,
0: thought it's a Belgian thing because obviously I, I don't. I didn't notice it in Berry when we went. So um, mm. I thought it was a Belgian.
1: No, two or three of them in York were doing it. Because uh, uh, so uh, when we were walking around, it was. Like 11 o'clock, it was raining, and um they had a big teepee thing, like a big yurt, and they had uh, open fires inside of it. So it was really, really cool, really nice. I went in, and there's this massive queue for the bar. And I thought, oh, I've got to have a mulled wine, um first one of the year. You know, get nice and festive. Uh, and then I could just hear people, uh, everybody in the queue in front. Every time they got to the bar, they said, oh, sorry, we don't serve till 12. So we had to go outside and stand in the rain and drink one from one of the the little uh, like trailer things that. People were selling it it's, from that, uh, yeah. Um, but I noticed on their boards a lot of them were selling it with, with shots of GNN, shots of brandy, Team Maria all that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, must be popular.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that was cool. So, uh, I had a fantastic week. So, obviously, good to be back training again, though. Now, so, um, yeah, obviously, I've, I just I took a couple of days off again while in Bruges, but basically just changed my training days around and only had to miss one session. So, did all right this week.
1: That's oh, good. It's good. Yeah. Priorities there. Yeah,
0: exactly. And then obviously, Sunday is the first day of my um, meso cycle starts for, for my weekly training. So, um, new training training mezzo this week.
1: Nice. I should hopefully get some decent training over the next few weeks because hockey's on a, a, a pause now. So, I've got, I think, about four weeks, something like that, all of December and the first week or two of January. So, I'd hopefully get back to some decent training. because I was prioritising hockey training over gym training. So, uh, this is my accountability here saying that I will be in the gym more than once a week. <laughs> so
0: good. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's move on to what we want to talk about then. So last week, it was last week, so wasn't it? We talked obviously yeah. about the mechanisms of hypertrophy. So hypertrophy in muscle growth for people that don't know. Um, and obviously they were, uh, mechanical tension, um, metabolic stress and muscular damage.
1: Hmm. So I, I was just going to say, just to caveat what we were talking about again. So if you haven't listened, go and listen. It was it was a good, interesting episode. um I think it kind of it was one of those episodes just because we've had some like, good feedback and some interesting feedback and stuff from from the episode and a few people just saying, "Oh, what they kind of confused me a little bit," but it's all relatively simple we just kind of went into it in quite an in-depth way and potentially used a few big words so it wasn't an episode to try and confuse you or to make you think that you're not training properly or all these sorts of things it was just things that if you want to take your training to the next level then think about these things because it is going to impact your training so much more and also it helps you understand like the mechanisms behind things so it like when we talk about training we don't just talk about here's the best split to do in a week if you train three days a week um you know you can find that out anywhere online really we want to kind of give you the 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 good stuff basically um so yeah and hopefully that's kind of i think today will be a bit more not basic but um more applicable to more
0: people I think yeah. I, I don't uh, I don't yeah. think what we went through was that complex last week no I, no I don't I don't I mean obviously there's a far more smarter people than us that could go into far more detail and um like get the the mechanistic or science behind obviously what they all mean and what they do then obviously that can explain a lot better than we can but I think we we probably just didn't explain why they're important or how you or not say why they're important how you kind of put them into actual practice as much as maybe we could have done i think we did talk about things like when we talk about metabolic stress as an example and metabolic stress being the build-up of metabolites which is caused by pumping loads of blood into the muscle and basically creating loads of uh like waste products that build up metabolites which then are seen or thought to be a driver or one of the drivers of obviously why your muscle grows and um, maybe we didn't I, I think we did talk about oh well you can do that by doing loads of high rep work and very low rest periods Or drop sets. I think we did mention that type of stuff, but maybe we didn't explain that enough to say kind of why. Like mechanical tension being literally the amount you're lifting, the amount of weight you're lifting is almost the easiest way to describe mechanical tension. So the amount of force you're putting through that muscle um, in total. So obviously it has to be like the amount of weight you're lifting, um, the amount of, but times by the amount of times you're lifting it. Almost is probably the easiest way to describe that. So again, it's like you're thinking about how it applies to you. Well, obviously mechanical tension. The thing, one of the things that's causing what well, we think is causing your muscles to grow is by putting more mechanical tension over time so you, therefore thinking about how to apply then so you can work out your volume which obviously the amount of your lifting we i think we did kind of define as mm-hmm. um i like to obviously there are various people but or various people that use different definitions but i like to use basically um rep times sets times weight i do like to include tonnage or weight because a lot of people just do reps times sets don't they all like hard sets say um, don't even necessarily do reps. No matter how, how many hard sets you do, and they just all, they count. And I, there isn't a right or wrong answer. I just I prefer to have a bit more like this uh, detail of however much weight you're lifting. Um, and obviously, like you just progress over time. So if you're doing t- 100 kilos by 10, that's obviously a thousand kilos. That's an easy sort of kind of maths or uh calculation to use and if you then kind of the following week doing a thousand and a hundred say you know you've increased the amount of volume and increased the amount of mechanical tension that you put through so therefore you should be stimulating your muscle to grow more um yeah i think that's probably these we we did talk about muscular damage being a little bit controversial in not everyone agrees that that is a requirement for growth and that's more of a side effect so that if you're creating enough mechanical tension and stimulating enough metabolic stress then Basically, soreness comes along with the, for the ride because it's inevitable you can't not get sore if you're doing those two almost, um, whereas some people feel like it's the soreness that is causing like muscular tears to happen and um them to your body to almost super compensate and grow again and strong but stronger um which I think obviously the jury is kind of out on, but yeah uh, again it could, because it, i don't think it's really relevant obviously because the thing you don't you can't really necessarily control soreness can you it's not sort of thing. you don't like work you don't go train and do right I'm going to get X sore this week um, some people go, in and go I'm just going to smash my fucking chest and get as sore as I possibly can but then we probably know that they also don't see the best growth so that's kind of why I only really focus on mechanical tension being the main thing and metabolic stress as a, as, a, as a different stimulus to think about when you want to take your training up like you said at the start really like you want to take your training up a notch notches um was that a ramble, or did that make sense?
1: Uh, no, that made sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of, that was like a... Well, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, no, you don't need to.
0: No, to be fair, we, we probably did that better then. Than... <laughs> <laughs> Take two. Yes. Um, but anyway, so, yeah. Um, what we want to talk about today was more things, like, what actually matters then? Um, and I suppose, like, we'll be open up front, we've taken a bit of inspiration from, obviously, some really good, intelligent guys in the industry, namely... Um, Eric Helms is uh, or 3DMJ. I think it's, well, it's Eric's Andrea Valdez and I think um, Andy Morgan, I think obviously, obviously co-wrote as well, didn't he? But the uh, muscle and strength pyramids, um, which I suppose like we were talking about before we obviously went on. Actually, I've not even read. Um, I've seen some of the YouTube series, but um, I really should get those books and read them because I imagine there's a lot of gold in there, but obviously we've seen the pyramids. You kind of know what they're about. So, um, what I would say is knowing the quality of Eric's work, anyone listening and wants to learn a lot more about it, definitely worth recommending buying their books. So um, I think they're like PDFs online you can buy for like $50. So I don't know how much they are, but something like that. Um, and I imagine it's well worth every cent. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And they also, I think, do a YouTube series, which kind of goes into yeah. it just highlights a few bits and covers it briefly. Um, um, it but they're be... still like an hour and a half longer.
0: Yeah, well, I think they are... Um... I said I've watched a few of the nutrition ones, but not watched any of the training ones. And I think they—I don't know how long each video are, but oh, each video are each video is good English. Each video is so, yeah. But it, it, it might be a good place to start for people. If they want some free um, content to just go and devour to start with. Go go obviously if you Google muscle and strength uh, pyramid on YouTube, can't miss them. Go and have a look at those. See through. But we were just going to talk about um, some of the things that we just want to pick out of like that because obviously they're hugely applicable and like, like we feel we could probably break down what matters for people that are weight training um into quite a small little section really certainly for for people to get the meat and potatoes anyway to kind of get you 89% of stuff um the rest of it might not matter so much but
1: yeah i think also just to add our own kind of spin on things Especially as well that, yeah definitely. um because there's a few things we we feel those has been left out that probably quite important as well well so
0: yeah i mean start with that i mean the first thing obviously that isn't i don't know if they're, they're probably mentioned in the book without a doubt i'm sure <coughs> it is but obviously on the actual diag uh the, not diagrams uh, images i suppose of the pyramids that you see there's no mention of one thing that we both said was probably like priority number one um certainly as important as what they've got as the bottom of the pyramid anyway so which is what edward
1: specificity
0: specificity so yeah it's obviously the act of your training being specific to your goals
1: yeah so I, I suppose uh, we we obviously in going to get a drink hold on yeah no, no problem so in in this and throughout this like last week we we're going to talk about it, it more in like a weight tra- training terms of things um so looking at muscle hypertrophy so gaining muscle uh, um growing muscles uh, opposed to endurance or opposed to um working towards team sports or or that sort of thing or like i suppose you could you could kind of count any sort of weightlifting but as, as a Ooh, nice and fizzy there <laughs> that, that uh,
0: was cinnamon cinnamon coke oh
1: um but if you say uh you're a runner and you are planning on doing max deadlifts it's probably not going to have too much carry over or if you're a swimmer and you're doing Bicep curls Like, how much carryover is that really going to have? So, to get the most out of your training, you need to be as, as specific as possible. So, if you're wanting to grow muscles, then going swimming once a week is probably not going to help you. So, you, if you want to grow muscles, you've got to be in the gym. You've got to be weight training, and you've got to be pushing yourself. You know, the pink weights only will work for so long.
0: Let's 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 not jump too far ahead because obviously it's part of the hour pyramid i suppose but um i suppose they're quite extreme examples given like endurance and uh, hypertrophy style stuff obviously like swimming versus bicep curls is the example like you could even bring it down to is even though your weight training is that specific for what your goal is so like your goal to get stronger as example now there's going to be certain things you need to do to stay um stay within a training protocol that actually helps you reach that goal of being strong. Um, Because obviously there is a difference between, say, strength and uh, muscle growth. Like you can basically get strong without getting bigger and you can get bigger without getting stronger. So yes, they're not completely mutually exclusive or separate and they do overlap to some extent because obviously inevitably if you're lifting some weights you're going to get some strength gains and if you're getting some strength gains the likelihood is you're going to be lifting more volume and therefore getting some sort of muscle growth. But um, there are like something andy galpin obviously i don't know what he is in terms of he's he's a researcher of some sort but i don't know exactly what his exact kind of profession is as such but he's a good researcher out there and there's something that he's talked about before in terms of like for people that have like weight based sports say that want to get stronger there's something that i've seen him talk about for some really specific protocols that you can do where you can almost limit people's growth to almost nothing but still get them quite strong um which obviously is important in weight making sports say like boxing or mma like if you want to get really strong but you can't be heavier because obviously you need to make a specific weight that can be a really important protocol to, to follow say so this is why like specificity is so important because you could be training in a manner that isn't really specific to your goal and you don't necessarily even think that
1: yeah it's a bit like when when people say oh i want to get a big booty all i'm going to do is squat bodyweight squats or you know things like that it's like well actually there are you know a big handful of better exercises to grow your bum than squats um
0: but i think that's just that's yeah. just exercise selection is it rather than
1: yeah 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 i mean you could
0: i suppose you you could argue like how much glute work does a squat have compared to other exercises yeah definitely Maybe maybe they're not quite, that's not quite specific enough like squatting is not specific enough to grow your glutes compared to other exercises you could pick. I suppose is that the point you're making.
1: Yeah, so yeah. I think specificity is also like a sliding scale, isn't it? From the kind of the the very extremes that I was kind of putting out there at the start, all the way to the kind of the finer um, things, like which would then start to entail exercise selection. Um, and I think uh, many of these things kind of cross over a little bit into each other's lanes um but that's uh, that happens in pretty much everything there doesn't it but um no yeah definitely i think uh, we've we've hit on some good points there with uh hopefully that people can think right okay well maybe uh you know what i'm doing isn't isn't the best Uh, i suppose if you're looking at like weight loss and saying right okay well using obviously i suppose because we're just burning calories anything's better than nothing but if you're wanting to be uh getting the most bang for your buck then Sitting down on the not just the exercise bike, but you know the ones which are like a little armchair, and you've got your feet out in front of you. Um, sitting, you know, using one of those as opposed to a cross trainer or a, a stepper, um, you know, they, they burn a different amount of calories. So if you want the most bang for your buck, then doing something like a cross trainer or a step, stairmaster is going to burn more calories than than an exercise bike uh, for the time that you give. Um, so again, more specific specificity there um as well
0: yeah like you say a lot of these are going to cross over but also um i suppose as we go through some of the points they'll hopefully start to make a bit more sense and you can relate them back to okay well i need to think then is that specific to what i'm doing based on the rest of the information we am about to say so um okay well um the next so obviously kind of that's something that isn't mentioned but we obviously wanted to mention that we think it's like Probably number one, or the, one of the first things you think about when you're obviously setting a program up or starting training is it specific to my goal? What's the next thing?
1: The next thing uh, adherence. If you can't, it's like a diet. If you can't stick to it, there's no point in even spending time thinking about it. So if you were to say, I am going to train 10 times a week, twice a day, five days a week, or whatever and you know that you work a 10-hour shift at work and you have no free time like when you're working, that's never going to happen. So even wasting thought on the idea is pointless. Um, or if you're doing something that is like crazy high volume that takes three hours to do and you only have 45 minutes to get your training done, again, it's not even worth thinking about because you're never going to stick to it. You might do the first week and then you're not going to do it again
0: and like another example be like if you don't like Olympic lifting don't join the CrossFit class because you just again you're just going to go there and hate it and not do it or I've got a client um, who wasn't really feeling uh, I suppose like a training program we put together based on we had a discussion around goals and stuff and Put together a training program, and it basically wasn't something they're feeling. So it's kind of like, well, actually, it's just not going to do it because they're not feeling the the type of training we're doing. So, kind of then switched into something completely different. Which you know, because there's more than one way to skin a cat. Like for most people's goals, there's probably lots of different training methods you can do. it Doesn't have to just be like one form. And like actually, I suppose like, you know, you think, oh, I've got to go do a gym program. I've got to go to a gym. I've got to lift some weights. But actually maybe like that isn't for you and you don't enjoy that but you enjoy crossfit so go do crossfit you know like i said there are many different ways and like crossfit athletes can still look fantastic like the top level ones look amazing so like as good or better than a lot of bodybuilders or most bodybuilders potentially so it's kind of like well you've got to really think about what is something that's going to allow you to stick to a training plan over a long period of time because that's going to be what brings the results not you know, like the same as we talk about in nutritional diets. You know, you're not going to get your results in a week.
1: Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I very, very first started out with a, a female client and we were looking at training programs and we we're saying, right, okay, well, you know, we could do this and we could do this. And I wrote out this training program for her and um, it kind of did all the exercises that she liked and everything, but she hated going to the gym on her own. Um, and then we said, I said, well, go to an exercise class then go to a boot camp class. She absolutely loved it and instead of sort of oh didn't make the gym today i had to work through lunch and stuff like that she there was no excuse because she enjoyed it so she went to every single exercise class that she had sort of penciled in to go to um so yeah so, so knowing i think knowing yourself with that a little bit as well what kind of things you like what kind of environments you like um yeah it's sort of tried and tested that uh, men prefer to do things on their own when it comes to training things like that or working in a pair whereas females prefer the um, the, the kind of the group and the class environment. Uh, obviously, there is crossover there and stuff like that, and everybody's slightly different. But uh, yeah, no, knowing yourself and knowing what, when, how you perform best. Um, like for me, if I could have my own home gym with all the equipment, I know my training would be a hell of a lot better than when I've got a gym crammed full of people. Um, any PB that I've ever hit, anything that I've done which has been like, you know, like a real good set has quite often been when I've been in the gym on my own. Um, and not when I've had uh, people watching, or I'm kind of sidetracked because I'm thinking that guy over there is deadlifting like a deck chair, and he's bent in half.
0: Yeah, I I I like training on my own, although I'm obviously a robot, as I've said many times. So I can train, but I do I do think I perform better in a environment where I am focused on my own than I mm. do um, when I'm being social. Because I'm social, I'm a bit too relaxed. I think I'm just too yeah. busy talking. I'm too busy moving social, but.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, for, I think for numbers, for like reps and stuff, I think I definitely can squeeze a few more out when I'm when I'm around people. But like, about my all-time deadlift was 210 kilos, and that was in a gym in the middle of nowhere, completely dead, nobody around. It was like quite low, like, nobody was about, and it didn't matter if I failed, and it didn't matter if my form went a little bit ugly because nobody was watching. So it was just me, the bar, the weights, and moving it. And then I did it. I didn't bloody film it
0: though. Ah, <laughs> no, it, it didn't happen then, did it? So, um, didn't work okay. well yeah, clearly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <The> <laughs> next, so, basically, what we're saying there is if you can't stick to it, none of the rest of the things we're about to talk about matters because you're not doing it. So, it doesn't matter if you're perfect for like one session, you've got to then follow through with all the rest of them over time. So, um, okay. So, next kind Of unique things you need to think about in terms of hierarchy of importance is volume, intensity, and frequency. So maybe we'll just go through each one, uh, explain or define what they are. I think obviously I've already talked about volume, but we can talk about it again. Um, and then talk about how we feel they best fit in. Uh, I suppose, like, I don't know if, I think we've caveated it honestly, but maybe I'll say it again if we haven't. The everything we talk about is never going to be like the one optimal best exercise plan you're ever going to have because all these things are basically need to be turned and individualised to you. Um, Ed's obviously talked about enough around the adherence bit, but even all the things we talk about, when we talk about volume, intensity, and frequency, it's going to differ person to person, so there's never going to be one perfect optimal exercise or training plan or programme. So just bear that in mind when we talk.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: Um, so let's go in volume again. So I kind of talked about it, but let's just talk about what it is and then explore it in a bit more detail of how appropriate or applicable how to how to apply the concept of volume
1: so again it's one of these things where you can kind of talk about it in a a lot of different ways and how i sort of mentioned earlier you can talk about it in the way that if you are doing high volume so high volume could be high amounts of sets high amounts of reps within the sets a combination of both um You know, if that's something that doesn't particularly suit you, suit your body, suit the way you like to do things, suit your enjoyment. Um, Again, it's that adherence thing. What's the point in doing it? If if you've programmed yourself to do 10 sets of 30 on a dumbbell press or something, and you absolutely hate high rep work and you prefer to lift heavy, then what's the point in doing it? Um, But also volume in a sense of you need to progress your volume to elicit hypertrophy so that that's that much is known that is known uh, it's not one of these things where oh it could be it. no 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 this this you know that is your key driver behind uh, muscle hypertrophy so if you want to grow muscles you have to increase your volume over time so if you are uh, this was a good comment from somebody as well uh, that they had a PT for however long it was, and they were still doing the same things when they started. Um, that PT did not understand the basics of weight training. So uh, um, to... let, let,
0: let, let's not go too much into progression though, just because obviously progression's next on our list to talk about. So I don't want to go too much into into it.
1: I'll stop talking then.
0: No, you have to stop. No, no, don't <laughs> stop talking. Just don't just don't want to cover all the progression before yeah, yeah, we yeah, no, talk no. about. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, but no it's yeah so it's key so you have to but you can increase your volume in in many different ways though so um and you can change your volume in many different ways so you could add on another exercise to your plan you could add on an extra set you could add in a drop set you could add uh, an extra rep you could add an extra you know 2.5 kilos or whatever it may be Um, Mm -hmm. there's many different ways to, to to change the volume
0: you you uh you said about like how you find it suits you then. So I guess how do you know if you're doing so I guess suits you in terms of preference we've talked about, but how do you know like if you're doing the right amount of volume?
1: Uh recovery. That's that's, that's a big one. Um for for me. So if you if the next day you are slammed to the floor, you can't get out of bed, you feel like a train's hit you, and like three days later you still can't walk after the leg session then you've done potentially too much volume and you've trained like an idiot. Um so reduce the volume for the next session. See how you feel. If you feel a little bit achy the next day but by the second day you're absolutely fine then that's probably a pretty good amount of volume. If the next day you don't feel anything at all like there's no there's no anything. I know we said about the DOMS and stuff earlier on but if there's you know potentially you could squeeze in a little bit more volume. Or if by the end of the session you don't really feel like you've you've trained, you feel like you could go again, um, then you can increase the volume of of that session um, or for that muscle group.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. I guess, like, how do you know if you're doing too much?
1: Because of recovery capabilities and, and, and such.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, I suppose I'm more putting around, like, um... I was going to say, not, for, so away from recovery then, to more around like, what if you're not progressing? What if you're thinking, oh, like I'm just not getting stronger, I'm not being able to lift more? Um, I, I suppose I'm like, is it, is it, would it make sense maybe you could think about maybe dropping the volume for a little while and seeing if you can then progress from, from a lower point?
1: Yeah, so I think this again ties back into the, the progression thing. So um, you might go through different, about was saying about, different mesocycles and such. So if you do four weeks eight weeks 12 weeks or whatever uh, a sort of like set amount so you're doing i don't know six exercises twice a week for that muscle group or whatever um and you're doing i don't know say 20 working sets um and then the next after eight weeks of that then you change to 25 working sets then your volume's starting to get pretty high um, and if your weights aren't going up or if you're not getting any extra reps out bringing that right down to maybe like 15 working sets throughout a week um, might actually then help with, uh, with progression so if it's something that, so say you're not progressing and you're trying everything you're trying to squeeze that extra one rep out you're trying to add on weight to the bar but it's just not working you're potentially doing uh, either two, you know, if your volume is very very low so if you're only doing one or two exercises per muscle group Per week, um, then you might need to increase your volume. Uh, If you're doing a lot more, try reducing it. So, if you're doing six chest exercises twice a week, then try doing three chest chest exercises twice a week or three times a week, and see how that affects things. And then you might be able to potentially progress um, off the back of that.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. I I suppose like one of the things that I have often used with myself or with clients to say, look you compare like your performance almost from uh, mesocycle and mesocycle. So mesocycle being your like uh, block of training. So microcycle is generally like a week's worth of training. Your mesocycle might be a block of four, five, six, maybe up to, I don't know, some people might use it up to even eight weeks, but usually my mesocycles are four or five weeks. Um, and then, so obviously you have like four or five week blocks of training with a specific goal for that block, I suppose. And then obviously your macro cycle is like your overall training, maybe like over an entire year, say. So again, this is something like, we'll talk about periodization, I suppose, at some point, but that's how you periodize and basically plan out your training sessions. Um, so if you can compare like your mesocycle to mesocycle, even microcycle to microcycle, so week to week, um, or compare your month to month, say, if you just keep it super simple from numbers perspective, so say monthly, um, is your measure cycle. If you kind of can work comparatively from one week to the next or one month to the next month, you're probably doing alright in terms of the amount of volume you, you're including. Um, obviously if you're going up, then brilliant. That that it seems like it's progression. If you're you know working comparatively, you're probably you know still within your maximal recoverable volume. Um so your MRV, which a lot of obviously people use as a phrase within the industry. Um, If you're getting worse, though, performance, then that will probably show that you're probably overworking and probably doing too much or under-recovering. I mean, you could look to say that. And actually, I suppose, actually, they would be one and the same. Like, if you're doing more volume than you can recover from, um, it's either because you're doing more volume or you're just not doing enough recovery but they kind of work out one and the same so you even need to do more recovery if you can't do more recovery because you've already got everything from recovery in check like your sleep your nutrition um your stress levels all that type of stuff if that's all in check and you can't effectively really do any more for recovery then you probably need to drop your volume so because you're probably doing too much if you basically can't perform mesocycle to mesocycle say so
1: yeah yeah no it's good yeah um I did have another point on that, but I was letting you finish. Uh, It might come back to me.
0: And now now you've forgotten. Um, So anyway, so um, I just want to get back on. So volume, again, you can kind of track that how you want. So you can track it like Ed said and like I said right at the start. So your sets, your reps, your sets times reps, um, or your sets times reps times weight, which is obviously my preference, as I said. But I think at some point you need to track it. I think. certainly yeah. If you're getting serious, and you want, to, and obviously that will move on to the next point when we start talking more about progression.
1: That was that was my point. If you're not tracking your workouts, then how do you know? How do you know you're progressing? How do you know that you're um, doing the same volume each week? You're changing it. How do you know all these things? You might be doing three sets of the same exercises, but do you exactly remember that you did what weights you did for how many reps for each set? Do you remember that week to week? Because I sure as hell don't.
0: If you don't track it, it's a bit easy to get a year down the line. And like you said about this, that PT and PT client, that you're still doing the same weights a year later. And obviously, if you are still doing the same weights, it's a good, good chance that that kind of shows you're probably not really progressing or getting bigger or stronger or whatever your goal is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because like uh, I know with clients at the moment, sometimes when you're doing measurements and you're expecting your biceps to have grown an inch in, the space of four weeks it's not going to happen it's not going to happen you know you're not even going to grow an inch of bicep in a year of training if you've been training for a year or two um but if your weights are going up and you're you know all those that um, you know if, you, if you're doing more reps for higher weights for more sets then that's progression you're getting stronger which then intel um quite often means hypertrophy as well they go hand in hand um yeah, if you're increasing your volume.
0: Yeah, I I'd, I'd like maybe it's worth touching on that. So, like, terms of uh, strength versus muscle growth, um, albeit there's some overlap, I'm not sure I'd use the term hand-in-hand, hand, but I know what you're saying. Um, obviously, if you are getting bigger, the likelihood is you're going to get some way stronger and vice versa. So, obviously, there is some overlap, as you say. Um, I always think a good way of testing is, so, like, if you're... If you're certainly like an, so take like an isolation movement which basically doesn't take a lot of neurological capacity if that's the right phrase so basically there's like a skill part of lifting weight so take like a complex move like a squat there's a lot of skill involved and you can basically lift more weight for more reps just by increasing your skill which doesn't mean necessarily more muscle strength or muscle size because you just got better at the movement basically Whereas if you're taking like a bicep curl, which basically is so fucking easy to do because one joint and it's basically lift weight up, lift weight down. Like, I know obviously it's a bit simple, but you know what I mean. Um, If you if you can now do more reps over like a, a long or a, a quite a, a, a large rep range. So say like take your 10 rep range, you know, 8 to 10 or whatever, 8 to 12, whatever rep range you want to do, like, like a higher rep range. If you can do more weight or more reps or it's a lot easier, there's probably a good fucking indicator that you've probably grown some muscle um, and you've probably obviously got stronger. So certainly of that, I think it's less so maybe on a lower rep range because again, I think more neurological stuff comes into play when you're doing like a one rep max, say. Um mm. But for like a, a higher rep range over an isolation move, like if that's a really good test to actually see if you have grown. Like if you take like extend, quad extensions, sit on a machine and extend your quads, right? If you can, if you're, if they suddenly do more reps or more weight on those, probably a good chance that you've fucking increased the size of your quads.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. more muscle fibers to help, which means more size.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, okay, so now the volume. Let's get to about it. So, what is intensity and? Is it the amount you sweat within an exercise because it's so hard?
1: I think it have be taken many different ways, can't it? Like anything can be taken many different ways, <laughs> including that comment. Um, I think when people. Yeah, it is a funny one. So people can be very intense in the gym and they are like. You, we've all seen that one person who is wearing full set of skins and nothing else um and they are <laughs> having like 10 second rest periods and they're going for it on a lightweight like they're an intense person but it doesn't necessarily mean that the intensity of their workout is intense if that makes sense yeah. <laughs> uh, and if i haven't said intensity too many times in the space of a minute um so <laughs> the, for me intensity is connection with what you're doing whether you know like that guy in his skins might be like thrashing out a thousand reps but how much of his you know the muscle he's intended to work and how much is it, is it actually worked so for me intensity is doing what you're supposed to be doing in the right way and working what you're supposed to be working in the right way um so if i was to have a really intense session and it means my mind muscle connection has been spot on all the way through um i've i've lifted a good amount of reps for a good amount of weight and and all that sort of stuff um and you know i feel like i've really sort of worked and trained that muscle really well um that for me would be an intense workout you're going to say something completely different
0: uh i am but Obviously, I know what I know the point you're trying to make. So, like, I think, well, obviously, I've not read the book, but um, generally, from a a training perspective, intensity for me would literally mean like relative intensity, so weight on the bar almost. So, the intensity being like a percentage of your one rep max, say. So, if you're working at a higher intensity, you'll have a higher percentage of one rep max. So, if your one rep max on a squat is 100, you know, 80% intensity would be 80 kilograms or 70 kilograms. And obviously, that then uh, intensity on the bar will be kind of coming back to our point about specificity so if you're specifically trying to get strong then you're going to want a higher or more intensity so you want a higher weight on the bar base your relative intensity for you so because obviously that's going to relate to more strength work so having 80 85 90 percent of you know your one rep max on a bar is going to be more specific and relative to you getting stronger than it will be lifting 60, 65, 70% of the, the weight on the bar for high reps so that's obviously what I take as intensity in this example
1: yeah, no definitely Yeah, um, like I say there's many different ways to take it but um, yeah, if we're looking at kind of like a, a numbers and, and that sort of thing then absolutely 100% uh, if you want to talk lovey dovey and feeling the things then uh, my example is perfectly okay
0: I, 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 say I take that as kind of like I suppose like work capacity and stuff I think we mentioned before obviously like having uh, I suppose like an intense session of work capacity so you might limit things which we'll talk about in a minute but like rest periods and stuff to basically get more density in your workout so you kind of got more more work capacity and that might help with cardiovascular endure, like muscle endurance that type of stuff so you can kind of get more more work done in a, in a smaller period but um, yeah I suppose that's kind of what, there's something else that then popped in my mind as well that I was going to say, and now I've forgotten. When you said you said something about, oh yeah, my muscle connection stuff. So I suppose like that's for me. I suppose like my muscle connection and having, like, being there and present in the moment of lifting. That's for me just like a skill that should be across all of the training. I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those ones a bit like kind of what we said at the start where it. You know, that's if you want to take your training to the next level that's what you need uh, um and yeah and then that is a skill that is like you were saying about um being too social when you're in the gym and if you're with other people and you're not you don't have that connection especially like how many times you see people just talking whilst they're doing a set it's like if, if you said to that person like how many reps have you have just done you, they probably couldn't tell you um because they're just not paying attention, and it's like, well,
0: I you, get like that sometimes.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We all do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: I'm, I'm I'm sitting there repping away, and I think, minute, hey, how many reps have I done? And I've had to ask like my partner. So, like, how many have I done? And like, I don't know. I haven't been counting. It's like, oh shit.
1: But and then you're probably on like twelve reps, and you're only supposed to do a twelve rep set, and you could probably keep going for a few more. And then as soon as you go, 11 oh, then you're, oh god, it's really heavy.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, that, <laughs> has, that has happened as well. So, uh, especially, especially like. If you're following people where you're doing similar rep ranges and stuff, um, like if you're training with someone with a similar ability to you, like that's happened to me plenty of times where like they've told me what they've got and I match their reps. Mm. Like whereas like hang on, if you hadn't told me, I might have done more actually. Think yeah. about it because I've almost got to the amount you've got and you've gone thought, "Cool, I've done now, I'm knackered." Where actually, if I didn't know that, I might have been able to to keep doing it. We could work so, the other
1: way as well, and you you push yeah. yourself to be able to get that, but then you probably fuck for the next set. Uh... Yeah, that's well. yeah.
0: um, Okay, so and then sorry, so the the next point around, so obviously volume, intensity, and frequency. So, um, frequency. How 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 frequently? I'm just trying to think how to pose the question to make it to to. But I suppose I could just ask you like how frequently do you think people should train?
1: So frequency is one of those ones which is weirdly not that well researched. Um it's it's known, very well known, that training a muscle group twice a week gives better growth than training it once a week. But and then they've not really done too many studies. More, it's hypothesized, hypothesized that the more you train, the more hypertrophy you're going to get. But the more times you train a muscle group, sorry, in a week, uh, the more growth you'll get. But there's a there's definitely so people are slightly different. Some people are going to elicit more growth training four or five times a week compared to two or three. Um, I think also it depends on your training age. So if you are in your first year of training, I would probably say go for it. Do a full body, um, or your first six months, say, do a full body session three or four times a week. Um, You're probably going to get better growth from that than just doing one body part per day like most people do when they first start. Um, So there's, there's that argument. I definitely say unless you're training once every three days or something um or two days um i would definitely say that everybody should be training each muscle group at least twice a week um so yeah more 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 frequency that you can bring in so the more times you can train a muscle group within a week is better to a certain point but and then so there's a kind of the whole argument of full body training is doing that four or five times a week that's what you should be doing and there was it was a bit of a thing in the fitness industry a, a year or so ago maybe two years ago um where everybody was doing it yeah we're going to be so big and so massive um and then after about four weeks of it their bodies were slammed and they were having to take weeks off training because it's not just the, the muscular fatigue it's the the joints it's the tendons it's the cns it's everything because you are hammering it every single day like if you I was going to use a really bad wanking um, reference. <laughs> let's, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you hammer something every single day, um, it's it's going to get sore. <laughs> it's um, it, you yeah, know it it needs to rest. It needs to recover. Um, yeah. And so hammering something too often it, it isn't isn't good. Um, you do yeah. need to allow so, the rest and recovery.
0: Yeah, I think like so my te- my my. Bits I'll just add to that is like, so I, I'm not, I don't know loads of the research on training frequency, if I'm honest, um, or in training in general, really. But the, I always kind of bring it back to when you take a training frequency to obviously the most known studies or meta analysis by obviously Schoenfeld and Krieger, um, which was a few years ago now, wasn't it? So they, um, where obviously they suggested that training. I think th- I th- they basically took obviously a load of studies, which I don't remember many were, but it's something like a dozen studies or something, which were fit their criteria of what they're looking for to you know, use, use as evidence of h- how much we should be training per week, say. Um, and I think obviously that came out as a, the conclusion was something like one to, to three days per week was what they, they were, they were looking for. And it came out that two days was better than one day. Um, although there weren't really a difference between two days to three days. So basically, training at least twice a week was better than training once a week, as in per muscle group. Um, but they obviously were adjusted or equated for volume. So you obviously did all the volume in one day. So obviously we said about volume being um, your reps, time, sets, or your reps, time, sets by weight, however you want to, you know, define or equate that. That ha- you're doing it all in one day on one one like group. And then the other groups were doing it across two days or across three days. So you're doing less work per session, but the same across the week. And obviously, the argument might be: Well, actually, if volume is a driver of hypertrophy, i.e., muscle growth, um, or even strength potentially, you know, like the amount of the amount you can actually the amount of times you're lifting heavy weights, um, is it better to do a higher frequency because you can do more volume? Because like I say, if you're doing one session of smashing yourself, could you do more volume splitting that um session up into two or three times over that week, but do more volume over the entire week? Does that make sense? Ed are you on your phone
1: does to me sorry, I was <laughs> muted. <meeting. laughs>
0: um yeah, so I kind of like does that make sense in that like you you basically you can do more because you're less fucked in that training session basically because you get get to a point where. Um, I used the term junk volume before right, where you're, you're just lifting so much weight on one muscle group in one session where you just end up doing what's called junk volume. So volume that basically isn't stimulating any muscle because mm. either your form's crap or you're so tired, you can't lift properly. Um, and obviously you'd be better off stopping and then going again a couple of days after you recovered a bit and then being able to create more volume over the week compared. So obviously these studies around training two times a week is best obviously that is on the assumption that you are doing the same amount of volume as doing one day compared to two days or three days whereas inevitably you end up doing a bit more um so like my my take on training frequency is if you like you pretty, pretty much i'll, I'll agree with what you said in that if you can do more than once a week brilliant because it probably means you can do more volume anyway um which for the most for most people the most part might be a good thing um assuming obviously you've got your maximal recoverable volume part checked off um And also I think there's probably just some benefits of doing it more frequently, i.e. you get better at it because you're just practicing it more.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think so for like a bit of a uh, something that people can apply to their own training, if you're doing five exercises on your chest for four sets, basically what we're saying is do three on one day and then three or four days later do the other two exercises.
0: Or even Um, three.
1: Or to do three again, yeah, and that way you've increased your volume across the week, um, but you've split it up. So if you think of it as like a, a graph, so you're at a baseline level, you spike up um, when you trained, and that's your kind of your muscles recovering and growing, and and then when that drops back down to that baseline level again, you've got then like four, five, six days depending on your training age um, until you can spike that again. So if you've recovered in 24 hours or 48 hours sort of tops, then spike it again. Why wouldn't you? Um, yeah, it's like um, with eating protein and saying, okay, well, you've got to wait three to five hours or whatever for, uh, for, for muscle protein synthesis to be able to be spiked again. And, but and then it's a bit like saying, well, I'm only going to eat protein once. Well, why not eat it four or five times a day and spike that muscle protein synthesis to help with more growth? It's the same uh, with training throughout the week. Um, so hopefully if you can visualize that in your head it it might make a bit more sense Um, but i suppose then if you are sort of trying to make this as applicable as possible so if you are a typical like what we call like a bro split so if you're training five days a week you're doing a different muscle group on on each day just stop a bunch of muscle groups together a little bit so if you're doing chest on one day then you're doing back the next day shoulders the next day um well why not do chest and back and arms and then you've got three exercise three different body groups you're doing three exercises for three or four reps three or four sets for each uh, each day Uh, and that way then you can train them multiple times so we're not just saying you know go into the gym and do three exercises on chest and then leave um, because then you would be able to train twice a day Um, but group a few different exercises together sorry group a few different body parts together in a day do less exercises Um, on that body part but do them more times through the week
0: yeah so I guess like so frequency is a great way of basically spreading your allocating volume across you know across your week but also it kind of plays into this role of adherence again so basically finding the frequency that you can stick to i.e. can you do one day a week two days a week three days a week or whatever so and i suppose that ultimately that will probably determine the type of training you do in terms of some of the things we've talked about or mentioned so a full body program or um you might do an upper lower split so you do an upper body one day lower body the next or you might do a push pull legs so you're doing push movements pull movements then legs so depending upon your frequency will quite often determine what might be more appropriate or best for you to do so i would say like if you're only training twice a week you're probably better doing two full body sessions than you would be doing maybe like an upper lower um so as an example or or a Push pull and a legs type of thing. I don't know, because um, I suppose you could do push pull, then your next week do legs push, and then you do pull push. If I got that right, but I guess it's like it's then finding like how can I allocate that volume best across my available training days, given what I like to do, my adherence, and the frequency I got available to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Right. Okay. So. Uh, Next on the hierarchy we want to talk about was progression. And we've kind of touched on that a little bit already, but it's basically um, one of the things, and maybe we'll end on this because obviously we are kind of come up to quite a lot of time, but one of the things is obviously if you want to stimulate muscle growth, you have to lift more over time, lift more volume, as we've said, so obviously you need some sort of progression model. Um, and the same with strength, really. Obviously, you need to lift heavier weights if you want to get stronger. So... Um, how can people apply progression to their let's just specifically just leave out weight training?
1: Um so we've kind of sort of touched upon it quite a bit already, which is good. Um uh, to kind of now nice tie it all together. So to increase well to progress, we need to increase volume. Um so if by we can increase volume in a million different ways, we can up the weights, we can up the amount of reps, we can up the amount of sets to a point you can add exercises in um but does that mean we're progressing or does that mean we're increasing volume pointlessly um so there is you know there has to be some thought in it if we are just upping the the reps then you get to 30 reps on an exercise has that muscle got much bigger um have you progressed a lot on that Yeah, okay yeah you've progressed I mean, to lift more reps on it but is that progression towards your goal, or is it just progression for progression's sake on an exercise? Do you want to be the person who can do sixty kilos on the bench press for the most amounts of reps, or do you want somebody with a nice big full chest like Arnie? Um, it kind of depends on your goal, I suppose, doesn't it? But um, so there has to be an increase in in kind of um, in volume uh, to a point, uh, and that's where then potentially, uh, as I was saying earlier about. Uh, what Brett was saying about uh, as your volume increases then dropping it back down again to add more progression and to help with more progression so if you are adding in an extra set every four weeks and if you're adding in an extra rep or two or an extra little bit of weight uh, well let's keep the weight out of this, let's just keep with um, reps and sets so if you're adding in an extra rep every week or every couple of weeks when you can, when you can pinch a rep and then you're adding in an extra set every four weeks say there's got to be a point then where you're going to drop it back down because otherwise you're going to be spending all day doing bench press um and you're going to be doing like 30 reps for you know 10 million sets so there has got to be a point then when you've got to bring that right back down again to start pushing again but when you bring that back down that weight that you go back to so if you start on six reps uh for three sets on bench press and then after a couple of weeks you get seven reps couple more weeks you get eight reps and then you add in another set do the same eight reps nine reps ten reps there's got to be that, that point where you drop that back down to six reps okay we're going to go into six reps but that weight should have increased from the last time you were doing that and that's why it's really important to log what you're doing um to make sure you can see that progression because if when you drop it back down you can only do 60 kilos again and you haven't progressed
0: yeah i think like quite often you have this inverse relationship between um, so a progression model might have an inverse relationship between the amount of volume you're doing and your intensity. So you just touched on it then in having um, like you're increasing your reps over t- over like your exercises over week to week, say. So you're doing more reps, um, which is obviously increasing your volume. And then obviously you're kind of having this this peak in volume, which should always have a peak in volume and then drop down. But obviously that would then mean like your volume drops down, but your intensity goes up. So you add more weight to the bar, say. So over time, as your increasing weight week to week almost so you're basically increasing the intensity week to week the weight on the bar but obviously because it's heavy you'll probably end up doing less reps and most likely doing less volume so as your intensity goes up your volume goes down and often you'll see um over a whole macro cycle you'll have this where you're doing high volumes at the start and as you obviously increase in weight over your entire year you end up if you calculate your volume you probably do a lot less volume by the end of the year because you've you know, as I say you've upped intensity and your volume has to come down as a as a matter of course from it and obviously that naturally quite often happens and can then mean like okay well you can then repeat that whole cycle again so you go back and almost then start with higher volume work again and then in a uh, slightly lower intensity but hopefully a higher intensity than you started with previously and that's basically a, a model or form of progression and there's so many different progressive progression models you can use i mean in fact there's so many different almost um oh, what's the word uh, not modes. Fact, ugh, I can't think of the right word actually. Um, ways, I suppose. It's ways you can just basically determine a progression model. So obviously, I've just mentioned volume and the, the relationship of volume and intensity, but it could be actually is your form getting better? You know, are you actually you know, a greater range of motion compared to what you did? So like you might only have the same weight on the bar and doing the same reps, but are you now getting deeper in a squat than you were previously? Um, you know, or are you getting like a full extension on a bicep curl compared to what you're previously doing? So that might be one way of measuring progress, um, not just, I suppose, like volume or intensity. Could be nice to say form. Yeah, more. I think that's
1: really, really key for... Maybe not so much when you... Well, obviously, correct form is important when you first start training, but in your first 12 months or whatever of training, your weight's going to be going up that quickly if you're doing it properly. Um, it's going to be less so, but... Uh, Once you've been training for a few years and progression is slower focusing on things like form and increase of form and that can be something you can write notes on um, That is then going to be like you say a form of progression So if one week you you get a scrappy 10 reps out But the next week you get quite a smooth 10 reps then you have progressed from week to week Um, And also with saying about the range of motion as well something that i've gone through with the clients at the moment where um on bench press, the bench was increasing and increasing and increasing, but and then all of a sudden, like then this is why we film. Uh, you know, it's hard not seeing your clients in in the flesh, but I get them to film a lot of their exercises, especially in their heavier sets. And his range of motion had decreased, even though his weights were increasing. So I said, right, we'll strip it back. You're going to have to drop the weight a little bit, but we need that that range of motion and that form better before we can progress that weight so sometimes you can progress for the sake of progressing but if you don't keep to either key cues with the lift um so whether that be you know whatever it might be depending on the exercise if you don't keep to those and and you can't sort of use those markers you're
0: you're talking about a standardizing lift for you so like like, I don't know, the, the, take your bench press, example. So you, basically, you will bring the bar down so it touches yep. your chest and then have full, lock, full yeah. lockout. Obviously, if that doesn't happen every time as a standard lift, you know that your form's starting to suffer because probably you're going too heavy, you mm-hmm. say.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And that's literally it. That was, yeah, it yeah, yeah. wasn't touching the chest. was a good few inches off. You know, you could deal with an inch or so, but to keep things standard, like you say, um, yeah, that's what kind of what we, we were striving for. So, um, yeah.
0: Be- Bench press is a bit easier to standardise. You get things like... I don't know, take a bent over row, that can yep. be a lot more difficult because um, obviously, a bent over row, people are supposed to be near enough perpendicular to the ground and obviously not as much as a pendlay row, but you know, like nearly. And people can start to almost pump themselves up almost so that next thing they know, they're almost standing upright. And obviously, that's quite difficult to standardize. You just really you have to kind of pay a lot of attention to keep yourself locked in, you know, like your lower back locked, hips hinged at the right angle, and just. Um, you know, having a full range of allowing the the scapula to protract and retract at the right, well, you know, all the way through the full range of motion, and obviously that can be quite easy to cheat without even really yeah, yeah it. Yeah, yeah, a few um, degrees. S- squat, yeah. squats Yeah, yeah, squats can be the same. I think you can quite easily miss out on a. F- on a few couple of inches of depth because you've gone heavy and you don't trust yourself to mm-hmm. go the same. So, like you say, filming your own list for yourself can be really useful to try and stop and negate that happening.
1: Yeah, definitely. And then just writing notes alongside that as well, just to say, right, okay, like I said, you know, it was a scrappy rep. It was, um, I, you know, I popped out of the the squat too soon. I, you know, got scared or whatever. So then you do the same weight again, and if that that mistake keeps happening, then you've got to drop the weight until you get that perfect, and then go again. But if you can, maybe for a few weeks, like I'll quite often, I'll have already planned next week's progression whilst I'm doing the current lift. So take bench again. Um, so when I'm like pushing for, for increasing my bench press for a certain amount of reps, um, the week before I will have planned whether I'm going to progress on it, I'm not really auto regulating it there and then at the time sometimes i will do if i feel like crap but quite often i'll say right okay that was really smooth i got that pretty easy next week it's going up and then i've got all you know all next session is going up um then i've got all week to think about that then and i know in my head then as soon as i walk into that that session i've already done it i've already done it in my head a million times throughout the week so i've got this lift and i will do it um whereas if i have a really really scrappy really like You know, my arse comes shooting off the bench and I'm really like one side, the other side, trying to push it up sort of thing. Or if I need a spotter to help me, then I'll stick to that weight and I'll do it again until I get it smooth. And then once it's smooth, then I'll move on. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's just about not progressing too fast, thinking that you can, and obviously just fall into the traps, all things. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, like like a a, a progression model that I use at the moment is just basically an RPE-based training of having... Um, like I rate every single set I do based on one to ten, ten being like no reps left, not nine being one rep left or one rep in reserve. So RPE and R I R you'll often hear interchangeable. Um and I, I basically just I like my mesocycles when I talked about like microcycles built into a mesocycle, so my mesocycle being five weeks, say. So my week one of my meso of my mesocycle um will be like RPE i oh, w well, I'm aiming for RPE seven, say, of every every lift. Um. Obviously, I'm just trying to keep it basic, but that could be so. Like you, basically leave them three reps in the tank for every lift you do. Week one, week two, you then go right. I'm gonna do everything on an RPE of eight. So RR two. So two reps in the tank, and then your final week you might do an RPE nine. So then you get into one rep in the tank. And obviously there is some skill involved in being able to judge where you are because obviously it can be really difficult to know whether you think you've got three in the tank, four in the tank, especially at, um, um, higher rep ranges. You know, if you if you're doing a eight to twelve reps set and you'll get into eight or nine, you think, I don't know if I've got five left, if I've got four left, six left, seven left, I don't know. Because sometimes you can get to where you think you've got five left, and you grind out another ten. You're like, holy Mm. shit. right. So there is some skill involved, but over time experience, you do get better at it. Um, But that's a really easy way of basically making sure there is a method of um, progression week to week, and then mezzo to mezzo so obviously you can imagine do that so it's basically like an easier week a quite hard week a really hard week uh, I do a metabolite training week but you know it's out of scope for this session <laughs> let's say um, and then a deload week and then start again hopefully with a higher weight or something like maybe if it's, if I feel like a bit like what you've said about pre-programming if I'm like well actually my last cycle didn't go as I wanted to I'd use the same weight again but maybe an extra rep or work on four, maybe or something a different way of mm. looking at it um, or alternative, you could just be a really simple periodization model or or progression model of I'm going to do eight reps one week, nine reps the next, ten reps the next. Yeah, you know. And if you can't do ten reps, then you don't put any weight on. Just yeah, I,
1: I I used to use the reps in reserve, but I didn't trust my own judgment. And I didn't trust my clients' judgments because, um, like you say, it, it's harder. Yeah.
0: It's harder to use your clients, yeah. definitely, because you kind of people need it. So you got to trust their experience of doing it. But that's why filming still sometimes works because you can still kind of say, actually, look, you you rated that as an eight. I said it's probably a fucking ten, mate, because that's normally the way it goes. People feel like, yeah, that's an eight. But they fucking yeah, you don't have any left.
1: Or, or do the way I quite often find, where you um, you're watching it and like, well. That was your last rep, but that was really, really easy. And you're supposed to be going to failure on this, or like one-off failure, or whatever. Um, stop being a little bitch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I
0: definitely can't. I definitely can't. Yeah, and
1: there. I, I think also to, to, to do that, you need to have trained two absolute muscular failure, not well, not catastrophic failure of where your bicep falls off or something. But you know, you need to have trained two failures. You no know, yeah, way you're at. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah. yeah no
0: i agree i agree that there's a certain extent where you have to have a experience of knowing what it is and to be honest sometimes that can also be something cyclical that you have to kind of go through because you forget mm, most yeah sometimes. it's almost like so every now and then it's worth doing a fa- I, I i don't recommend people really train to failure because i think it affects some of the things we talked about like volume like the amount of volume you do if you go do failure on too many lifts you can't recover well enough and you'll basically do less volume over time which is obviously going to be detrimental to grow muscle so it's not something that like I regularly do, but every now and then, it's, I think it is worth having a go just for the experience. Plus, also there might be some extra benefits of taking to failure every now and then to promote more muscle fibres being being recruited and um, build up more metabolites. Basically, yeah. that yeah. type of stuff. So um, this is this is why it's like the nuances of training can be really complex. And if you're really unsure about how this all fits in, sometimes that's why it's worth just paying for a coach. Because They'll do all this for you, and you don't have to worry, and you'll just get the
1: results, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's it not like you're saying about <laughs> if you go in and you smash, like everybody always does a compound, as the first list, like because you're fresh and you do. And then you see people like grinding that last rep out, and you're like, well, you've now just fucked up your whole session because you had to go to pretty much the failure on your first set. Well done, yeah.
0: um, yeah. yeah, well, it's like it's like you do 10 reps, first set and to failure and then you do seven the next set because you're fucked and then you do f- f- four or five the next set whereas you might have to be able to do nine 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 say as an example instead and done more reps overall so i'm not really one for training to failure very often i don't think that's why i like an rpe based or an rr based training mm. because it allows you to regulate every single session um to how you feel because obviously some on, on the whole i find me personally and there's bit different with clients but um that might be experience i don't know and maybe not quite as much but me personally my reps rpe isn't that different week to week like generally they they flow in the kind of same sort of order as you expect and i don't tend to get many ups and downs week to week where like oh i must have felt like I get the odd week where i obviously you know missed a rep here and there and obviously you must have had a bit of a poor night's sleep or say so or whatever like today was a little bit like that actually. Like my training sessions pretty much matched last week's even though it was a higher RPE. I rated everything as like an eight this week whereas previous week it might have been a seven. And I was like, well, I've done the same reps but it's felt harder. So therefore I've underperformed technically. Um... Well, that's probably because summer has just been a bastard the last you know, like week or so and get up at 5am and I've a lot of Yeah, that's, yeah, so, that's um, another reason
1: why I don't think I could do it because like, I can be absolutely fine one minute and then I can be the moodiest guy you've ever met the next minute. So, um, yeah, catch me in a bad mood, then yeah. everything's going to be a 10 and horrible and shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: but that's what I mean. You can't, And you kind of have to just allow that sometimes. Just think, do you know what, that, you know, that allows. But normally, to be honest, I'm pretty consistent and actually my, like, my numbers tend to go... It, as you expect like you know I might go 10, 11, 12 you know on that s- compare and set to set week one week two week three say so actually like as my RP goes down one I should get one more rep and that is kind of most of the time I've managed to do get the odd week where I'd maybe do two extra reps I thought oh I felt good this week and I managed to get an extra rep out feel like with the same level of difficulty say but you know that's, that's where the experience mm-hmm. comes in involved. but I, I do like that type of um, programming so. cool. anyway are we are we uh i think obviously we've got three more levels to cover but we can obviously do that as maybe next week's podcast to cover the next bits yeah
1: and then the few bits that we had written down from last week as well that we never talked about we can tag all that in maybe we go back to nutrition next week and touch back on training the week after or maybe we should get a guest next week
0: well i've got a few guests kind of lined up but just can't get dates down to, to be done we've got quite a couple like obviously some friends of the uh the NN family to come on and we've got a couple of we've got a journalist I'm trying to learn oh, nice. actually no, not going to give out any more details than that but quite a cool journalist on um I think the topic's going to be more around habit building and stuff because he's really quite like doing a lot he's really written a book on habit building and stuff so that's cool.
1: cool you are a good researcher
0: yes. Yes, yes, Uh, and also actually we've got a very, very cool young lady um, in the next few weeks hopefully to come on to talk about, um, I suppose, uh, something along the lines of food relationships, so relationships with food and attitudes to food and that type of stuff, so general well-being, so that would be pretty cool. Yeah, sweet,
1: exciting stuff.
0: Right. On that note, um, I don't think we've got nothing to plug up. We've got nothing to shout out. Obviously, just follow us on Facebook. Leave us a review. We had one lovely review, actually. Thank you for the person who left us a review. Um, I did post it on my Instagram story, but it's a very nice review, saying how much they enjoyed the podcast. So please get some more reviews. Go under iTunes and leave us a review if you think the content is worthwhile and you'd like to help us help, us help you oh. and all that jazz. Um, yeah.
1: That's yeah, that's everything. Follow us on Facebook, like us on Instagram. All that. No nonsense situation. All that yeah, cool. Alrighty, let's uh hit the hay.
0: I'm off to eat a tub of ice cream. Mm, I'm
1: going to bed. Full <laughs> tub, not half tub, okay? <laughs> Oppo gate. Bright Braise gate. <laughs> right, no,
0: it's, it's not Braise or Oppo, it's Aldi's really? own.
1: Full on ice cream?
0: Yes. Yeah, ginger I had a full pint of min- mince pie yesterday I'm going to have a full pint of gingerbread latte tonight mm. it's not too bad it's about 800 calories a pint it's not horrendous
1: yeah it's not, not diet all, material all, is it all...
0: <laughs> no not quite no but it's all worked in because you're not dieting so I need the calories to f- fund my muscle hypertrophy
1: that's uh, well that's something we have covered but many moons ago so dig in the archives yeah,
0: maybe re- re- review it at some point or dig
1: yeah. the archives. cool right then adios
0: Bonjour, adiós.